Well, good morning and welcome uh, to this Sunday message from Grace Point Church. I am glad you're here with us today. Welcome to our Grace Point Church family, as well as welcome to any guests who are uh, watching this uh, message here today. We are thankful you are here. We are meeting today in the family room of our home. Uh, I like this room. It's a cozy room. I spend a lot of time here, so I'm thankful you're here with me in the family room. And what an appropriate place to be as we are a family in the Lord Jesus Christ together. And so we welcome you here today. I was down at uh, our Grace Point uh, building yesterday, and I was in the auditorium, and I was uh, walking around looking at the chairs and imagining where the Grace Point family sat or remembering it, not imagining it, but remembering it. And uh, many of you sit in the same place every Sunday, and so I was thinking of where you were sitting. But there are few rogues in our midst who, from Sunday to Sunday, will change places. Uh, so it was interesting. But I looked out uh, on that uh, auditorium full of chairs, and I remembered that usually the front row is empty when I'm speaking. And I, I don't know if it's from fear or self-protection or what it is, but... Uh, today, you are all in the front row, and so I'm glad you're here, and we're thankful for you. Uh, today, we are uh, meeting together to look into God's Word together, and again, encourage one another through this week as uh, we face uh, many challenges and uncertainties in our lives these days. I was thinking about the whole issue of hope this week, and it's been said that uh, a person, a human being, can live 40 days without food, four days without water, uh, four minutes without oxygen, but yet only survive four seconds without hope. Hope is a critical, critical key in our lives, isn't it? Every human being wants to have hope and have hope in something. And of course, our hope is only as good and as authentic as the object we are placing our hope in. Václav Havel, who was the a writer, a dissident, a Czech writer and a dissident, and he was, uh, I think, the first president of the Czech Republic, uh, he had this to say about hope. Listen to his words. I am not an optimist because I am not sure that everything will work out well, nor am I a pessimist because I, I'm not sure that everything ends badly. I just carry hope in my heart. Hope is the feeling that life and work will have meaning. You either have it or you don't, regardless of the state of the world that surrounds you. Life without hope is an empty, boring, and useless life. I cannot imagine that I would arrive, that I could uh, strive for something if I did not carry hope in me. And then he finishes this quote by saying, I'm thankful to God for this gift. It is big as life itself. I was thinking uh, this week also and praying for uh, seniors in high school as well as in university who are at the cusp of moving on to the next uh, stage and passage of their life and thinking about how different this is, you know, that we cannot gather at a graduation ceremony and have uh, family gatherings and friends come over for senior parties. And so I want to specifically remind you uh, that uh, we do have hope, even though there's great uncertainty in the world and great uncertainty about the future as it stands right now. And yet for a believer in Jesus Christ, we have a certain future and he is the one who's the author of the certain future. And remember uh, that uh, God is working all things out for his glory and for the good of his people, even though perhaps from our viewpoint and perspective, it is not looking that way. Uh, a couple of, a number of weeks ago now, in fact, this is the, uh, I think the sixth Sunday that we have not met together physically. 
And uh, so it is an interesting time, isn't it? But uh, seven weeks ago, we started into the letter, Paul's letter to the Colossian believers. And today we're going to return to that letter to the Colossian believers. It'll be review for some of you who were there seven weeks ago, if you even remember uh, being in that passage of scripture. But I pose the question is uh, the fact that uh, where do you place your hope? Where do you place your hope? Uh, it's been said that the, th the thing that is most important about you is what you think about Jesus Christ. What you think about Christ is really fundamentally the most important thing about you and about me and how we approach uh, the circumstances of our lives, whatever they may be, the adversity and the great joys, everything. The most important question is, uh, what do we think about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we come back to the letter to the Colossian believers uh, in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul is the author. And at this time, uh, he was imprisoned in Rome when he was writing this letter to the church at Colossae. Paul had not been to Colossae. Colossae was a, a, a town over on in Asia Minor, what is now present-day Turkey, about a thousand miles east of Rome. Paul was imprisoned in Rome when he wrote this, and he wrote some other letters, and these are called the prison epistles or the prison letters. And the other ones were Ephesians, <coughs> Philippians, and Philemon. And uh, Paul had received a report from Epaphras, who was from Colossae, and probably was the one who planted the Christian church in Colossae. And he had come to Rome and visited Paul in his imprisonment and reported to him the things that were going on in Colossae. <clears throat> of course, as we are going to see as we move through this letter in the next several weeks, uh, that there was great threats uh, upon the Christians in Colossae. They were being threatened by false teachings, false beliefs, and it was unsettling their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is writing to correct that. And really, Colossians is a book about hope. I think when I started this series seven weeks ago, I talked about Colossians is really a great Easter book, and it is. And because Easter, the holiday, is past doesn't mean that we as believers in Jesus Christ do not celebrate the resurrection of Christ every Sunday uh, throughout the year because he is our hope. And so it is a book about hope, but it's also because that hope is placed in the object of the hope, which is the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul is writing about the preeminence or supremacy of Jesus Christ in the believer's life. The false teaching was threatening, threatening that belief and that teaching. They were making Jesus Christ subsidiary uh, to uh, eternal life. And uh, Paul was writing to combat that. And uh, Colossians, if you're familiar with these epistles of Paul, it's very similar to the book of Ephesians, but the, yet there are some important differences. Ephesians, the emphasis in Ephesians is upon the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church as the body of Christ. You read through Ephesians, especially chapter 4, and that is the pinnacle point or the acme of what it means to be the church together. And then, But Colossians, the emphasis is on Christ as the head of the body. And so it is about the preeminence or supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you take your copy of Scripture, turn to this little letter of Colossians. It's about five pages long, at least in my copy of Scripture. And uh, we will begin again in chapter 1. I want to set the tone again for this book as we embark upon this journey uh, with uh, the Apostle Paul, with Timothy, with Epaphras, and with the believers at Colossae. So before I uh, read this first uh, introductory uh, passage out of uh, Colossians, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for 
blessing us with one another. And even though we can't be physically together, we are uh, spiritually together and we can encourage one another through the use of technology that you've blessed us with. And Lord, for each one, and I pray that we would have great peace and great hope uh, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, even if we are sheltered in place, sheltered in our homes and uh, practicing social distancing, uh, Lord, we pray that uh, we all would recognize what is truly important in our lives and place our hope in the supremacy of Christ. We thank you for your passage, this word today, and pray that each one would uh, just have their eyes open, their hearts open, and be blessed and be teachable in this day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, in Colossians, we're going to see in verses 1 through 8, it's uh, kind of an introductory uh, start to this book, we're going to see this whole idea of hope being revealed under the supremacy of Christ. We're going to talk about the people of hope. We're going to talk about the place of hope. We're going to talk about the produce or the fruit of hope. And finally, the, the, the uh, proof of hope. And so just stick with me here today as we go through this letter of hope. And I especially want to emphasize if you're a senior in high school or at university and you're missing out on uh, what you think is what should be happening, I understand that. But remember, we have a greater hope and an excitement about what going, God's going to be doing in our individual lives as well as collectively as a church family, as well as Christianity around the world. And we are excited to see what God is going to do in that. But in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1, we have basically the introduction to the letter. And sometimes it's easy to speed over this uh, because it seems kind of repetitive to Paul's other letters. But in this day that it was written in the first century, probably about 60, 61 AD, uh, the Apostle Paul again in prison. Timothy is there. It tells us in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. And so letter writing in that day, the writer would introduce himself at the beginning of the letter. Typically today, we sign a letter at the bottom. This is who the recipient or the uh, sender was. Uh, but in Paul's day, they would identify themselves right up front. And so we see that the Apostle Paul, he is a person of hope. Remember, he's imprisoned. He's got some very adverse circumstances. He's under the Roman Empire and he's in prison there. And uh, he is under the preeminence of Jesus Christ. He is not under the thumb of Rome or the boot of Rome. Notice says, Paul says he's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. An apostle was one that was chosen by Jesus Christ. He has seen the risen Lord. And uh, the last apostle uh, that we see biblically passed away in the 90s of AD, and that was the apostle John. He lived to a ripe old age, and he died in the 90s. But the Apostle Paul was appointed by Jesus Christ by the will of God. And so there is this preeminence of Jesus Christ right off the beginning. Paul has the authority, the apostolic authority, if you will. And so what he is writing here is from God to the people of Colossae and by extension to believers around the world through the centuries down to us today. And so Christ's preeminence, and even though he's imprisoned, he is still rejoicing in who Christ is. And in verse 2, we, we get uh, the uh, recipients. He is addressing the recipients of this letter in that day. And he says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So he greets them, and there is hope in the people of hope in Colossae. He's reminding them they have hope because of their position in Jesus Christ, their position. Not only is 
the preeminence of Christ, but there is a position for believers in Jesus Christ. He calls them saints, or in some translations, use the term holy, uh, that they are holy ones. And uh, you and I, there's probably very few days that we feel holy. Isn't that right? Uh, we don't feel like we're a saint. That seems like a foreign term to her, but it's not a, to us, but it's, it's not about what we do, but it's about what Christ has done. Saints and faithful brethren. Saints means uh, ones who are set apart. Holiness means one who is set apart for a particular use and position. We have the Holy Bible. We have the Holy Land, and it's, it's referencing to this is God's. This belongs to God. Uh, this is God's word. This is his word. Uh, nobody else owns this word. It is God's. He's the one who sent it to us. And so he calls them holy, holy brothers. And by the way, the term brethren there uh, is not gender specific to males, but it includes females too. We could just as well say brethren and sisterin, if you will. Uh, so it is, includes all gen the male and females in the church. And so holy means that we belong to God. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, as is said elsewhere, we are not our own, but we belong to Jesus Christ. We are claimed, claimed by God, and we belong to him. So therefore, uh, by being addressed as saints or as holy, set-apart ones, it has nothing to do with how you act, but it has everything to do about who you are. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not who you used to be before you believed in him for everlasting life. You are a new creature in Christ, and you belong to him. So you are called and designated positionally as one set apart unto Jesus Christ. Secondly, he says to the saints and faithful brethren and sisters. And this gives us, starts to give us a hint that there are some difficulties that are occurring in Colossae. He talks about the faithful ones. These are not two different classifications of Christians here. This is the fact that he is reminding them that if you're a saint, there is this fact that you are given the faith and you are faithful in your belief of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the first hint of the struggles doctrinally that are going on in Colossae and in our church today. The churches around the world were always inundated and assaulted by false teaching. And that's why we need to know the word of God to refute and rebuke those who do not teach the word correctly. Uh, there were strange doctrinal ideas floating around in the church at Colossae. False teachers had come in that were upsetting people and turning them away from the true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is encouraging them to remain faithful to the saints and faithful brethren. In other words, remember your faith. Hold fast to your faith. Remember that Jesus Christ is preeminent. And then he tells them in the end of verse 2, grace and peace, this greeting, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Notice in Scripture that uh, grace is always, or peace is always preceded by grace. Grace is unmerited favor. We do not deserve grace. Grace is unmerited, and it's God's grace in our lives. And the only way to have true peace <clears throat> is to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, to believe in him for everlasting life. And because of his grace in our lives, we can experience true peace in our lives. Grace always precedes peace in this. And so those are the people of faith in verses 1 and 2. Now we have the place of faith in verses 3 through the first part of verse 5. The place of hope, excuse me, the place of hope. Uh, as a people of faith, we have the place of hope. 
Uh, in verses 3 through 8, by the way, it's one long sentence in uh, the Koine Greek language that Paul wrote in or had his secretary write in as he dictated it to them. And uh, this is one long sentence. Paul was uh, an excellent uh, speaker, an excellent writer, and uh, he used long sentences sometimes. And so uh, our English translation contains punctuation marks, which the original Greek manuscript did not have. And yet, so we can still break it down, but the Apostle Paul is talking about the place of hope in verses 3 through the first part of verse 5. And he begins there, look at verse 3. We give thanks to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. And so the Apostle Paul, even though he had not met these believers in Colossae, he was giving thanks for them, and he was praying for them. And it's a good indicator for us, even though we don't know Christians on the other side of the world, or the other side even of town sometimes, uh, we can pray for other churches, pray for believers, and encourage them. But Paul has a very specific reason that he says he gives thanks for them and prays for them. Look at verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ, the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And so the Epaphras, which we know from down in verse 7, has brought a report from Colossae. And uh, Paul is giving thanks because he has heard this report about how they, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, how they heard, how he heard of their faith in Christ Jesus, the love which you have for all the saints, and because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Notice those three words, faith, hope, and love. And Paul uses these elsewhere in Scripture. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, we often call that the love chapter. He writes, but now faith, hope, and love abide these threes, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, why is the greatest love? Because uh, when we see Christ face to face, when we are glorified, when we advance from this world to everlasting, uh, to heaven, uh, faith uh, will be realized, hope will be fulfilled, but love is eternal. It keeps going on because God is love. In 1 Thessalonians 1.3, he tells the Thessalonians there, bearing in, mind, bearing in mind your work of faith, your labor of love, and steadfast hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of God the Father. And later on in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, he says, But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and the helmet, the hope of salvation. So he uses those three words. They're uh, a wonderful uh, tr uh, triad, if you will, of our faith, and it's hope in Jesus Christ. Now, hope here uh, is not like... Uh, our American English version of, well, I hope it won't rain today, or I hope they get a vaccine soon, or I hope uh, that uh, everything is going to go well in my life. Uh, it's not that same idea. In the New Testament, the word for hope is something that is certain because it does not depend on us. It is something that is certain that does not depend upon us. It depends on the words and works of Jesus Christ, the words and works of Jesus Christ. And so faith is the, based on the past work of Christ. We look at the historical account, especially in the Gospels, and we read about the crucifixion, we read about the resurrection, and we believe those things happen. We believe Jesus Christ is who he said he is. So our faith rests on the past work of Christ. Our love works in the present time. It's an expression. We'll talk about that in a moment. And our hope anticipates the future. Our hope anticipates the future. And again, our hope is only as, as authentic as the object in which we place our hope on. 
And what is the source of all this? Look at verse 5 again, the first part. He talks about this faith, love, and hope, uh, <clears throat> where he says, of which you previously heard the word of truth, the gospel. The gospel, of course, is the good news of Jesus Christ, that by believing in him, you can have everlasting life. John 3.16 uh, of course, if you want to learn more about salvation, read the Gospel of John. It is written to people who do not know Jesus as Savior, and it's a good reminder for believers of what our faith is placed in, in Jesus Christ. The true Gospel is one of grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. Hope is awakened by the Gospel. It is the good news. The Gospel addresses itself to losers. Nobody can save themselves. We're all in the same predicament, and yet Jesus Christ because of his death, burial, and resurrection, that he is the one we believe in for everlasting life, because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. And hope is available to you. Notice in, <clears throat> excuse me, in uh, verse 5, it says, hope is laid up, in the first part of verse 5, hope is laid up for you in the heaven of which you have previously heard the word of truth, the gospel. Uh, now, we don't think that in the heavens by and by, I, we often think that's where it's laid up, but it's actually a plural word which can be translated in the heavenlies, in a place around us. It's the spiritual realm that is available to us right now. We are given the hope. The source of hope is the gospel, and uh, it's the invisible spiritual kingdom that exists all around us in the world today. Paul also said it comes from the word of truth, the word of truth. I think it was Alexander Solzhenitsyn who said that one word of truth will overthrow the whole world, basically. In other words, it is the most powerful thing. And that's what marks its realism, that there is a corresponding word of truth that corresponds with the reality of what is going on according to God. Dorothy Sayers, a Christian writer, philosopher, said the test of any religion is not whether it pleases us or is comfortable, but whether or not it is true, whether or not it is true. And so again, we challenge, we are challenged by what do I believe and why do I believe it? What is the validation, the authentication of my belief system? And so we go to the Word of God. That's why at Grace Point Church, the Word of God is preeminent in determining what God's will is for our lives and for the day we have. So the place of hope uh, is there, or the, the fruit of hope. And we see in verse 6, that's the fruit of hope, the produce of hope. Look at verse 6 with me. Which has come to you just as all the world that is constantly bearing fruit. Okay, there's the produce that increasing and increasing even has been doing in you since the day you heard of it, understanding the grace of God in truth. And so the gospel constantly bears fruit. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a product of somebody who went before you. Uh, there's this apostolic succession in a sense that the gospel has been ongoing every generation, every generation, every tongue, tribe, and nation will be represented at the kingdom in the kingdom throne of Jesus Christ. And it's because of those who faithfully shared the gospel to us. Uh, many many uh, people have uh, gone before us who have shared the gospel. And so this is an ongoing, constantly bearing fruit, not only in our lives and the lives of those loved ones around us, but around the world. And the gospel continues to change lives. Each one of you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a story to tell. Because at some point, whether you were five years old or 55 years old, uh, you believed in Jesus Christ for everlasting life. And there's a story behind that because it is truly miraculous. 
If you want to talk miracle, anybody who believes in Jesus for everlasting life, that's a miracle of God opening our eyes to the truth. I was 28 years old when that occurred, even though I was in church all the time growing up, went to every service because my parents were very faithful in their church, and yet all I was was a little pagan in a pew. And so, but at age 28, God opened my eyes. He changed my direction from being an atheist, agnostic, to belief in Jesus Christ for everlasting life. And so salvation, of course, is a whole package. It's not just that past tense belief in Jesus for everlasting life. That's called justification, where we are declared righteous. We are uh, rescued from the penalty of sin. And then we look forward to when we pass from this earth and meet Jesus face to face. That's called glorification, where we are rescued from the very presence of sin. But in this middle part, if you're a believer like me from age 28 to now, this is called sanctification, where I am being rescued from the very power of sin and uh, changed because of Jesus Christ. That's all the three tenses of salvation. So the produce of, of hope, the fruit of hope, is the gospel that is going forth. And verses 7 and 8 is the proof of hope. Look at verses 7 and 8. Uh, we see there in verses 7 and 8, it's kind of a con conclusion of this paragraph, uh, he goes on to say, uh, in the end of verse 6, understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of the Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. So here we see Epaphras, who's come and reported the Apostle Paul, Epaphras, who's from Colossae, and it tells us that he is a bondservant. His life has been changed. Probably when Paul was ministering in Ephesus, that's probably where Epaphras was uh, uh, discipled by Paul and became a close friend of Paul's and a co-laborer. And uh, we were indeed bond servants here. Uh, really, it's, it's a bond slave. It's the fact that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you belong to Christ, and we are bonded to him. We are called in Christ. And at the end of verse uh, 8 there, he says, He informed us of your love in the Spirit. That's the occurrence of the Holy Spirit in this book. And the fact that uh, this love, this is the Greek word agape love. If you're familiar with uh, the word love in, in Greek in the Bible, there's like four different understandings or definitions or different words used of love. But this is the highest form, agape love, which is unconditional love. It's the love that Jesus Christ expressed for you and for me when he hung on the cross of Calvary, died in our place, uh, taking on the sins of the world. It was unconditional before at that time, uh, we were enemies of God. And yet he died for us unconditionally because of his great love, his agape love for his people. That's what it says in John three sixteen: for God so loved the world, so loved you, that he gave his only son, that whosoever you believe in him, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. And again and again, when I look at Scripture and see that there's a consequence, whether good or bad, what is the condition to either avoid the consequence or receive the consequence? And in John 3.16, the consequence is everlasting life. No perishing, everlasting life. And uh, the, the condition for that is believe. Whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. What a wonderful, wonderful verse. And that's what Jesus did for us in that agape love. And so today, my question again is, where is your hope placed? You know, yes, we do hope there's a vaccine developed soon. Yes, we do hope that life, uh, we won't have to shelter in place and that we can get on with, with life in a sense. But yet, this is a good time 
a really good time to evaluate what is truly my hope, to evaluate what is really important in my life, to spend time, if you have family at home yet, to be encouraged and be an encouragement to them and a blessing to them. And also, as you have contact through the phone or, or internet, through with your neighbors, with re relatives who are far away, with other church family members, uh, we great time to really evaluate where does my hope lie? What does my dependency rest on in my faith? And so remember those things today. I would encourage you uh, to read this letter to the Colossian believers. Uh, it's about five, five pages. I said, read it every day and start getting uh, familiar with this letter. Uh, even though I've uh, been in this letter before, it is always good to go back to Scripture. It always reveals the Holy Spirit revealing to us new things, new insights that we can learn and that he can apply in our lives. Well, blessings to you all this week as we continue on. And uh, I pray that each one of you would grow in Christ today. I miss you all, uh, seeing you and being with you. Uh, and so uh, we love you and uh, hope you grow in Christ today. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. We praise you. Thank you for the hope that you give us in Jesus Christ. And thank you for the supremacy, Lord Jesus, of, of yourself. And we pray today that each one who's viewing this message, Lord, would really consider where their hope lies. And Lord, that you'd be so faithful to us all, that you would grow us up, correct us. And those who don't know you as Savior, I pray that they would read the Gospel of John and come to that place of believing in you for everlasting life. For I know you desire all to be saved. And Lord, thank you for blessing us with uh, one another in this day. And thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' powerful name I pray. Amen. Please stand as the church scattered worships together.